PT Pro Talk Podcast, the fastest way to increase your knowledge with the brightest minds of physical therapy in your pocket. Welcome to PT Pro Talk Podcast. I am Mariana Tondo, your host for today. In this episode, Dr. Shuddy is going to talk about the doctor physical therapist relationship in the pelvic pain treatment. Dr. Shuddy is a physiatrist who is board certified in physical medicine and rehabilitation and fellowship trained in interventional spine and sports medicine. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to PT Pro Talk, Dr. Chetty. How are you today? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great and looking forward to answering these questions. So let's go ahead and get into that. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and how did you get to where you are right now? Sure, absolutely. So um, I'm a physiatrist. Physical medicine and rehabilitation is my specialty. Uh, and I did a fellowship in interventional spine and sports medicine at Columbia and Cornell. Um, and then from there, I went on to do um, work in a private orthopedic practice. So I worked a lot with people with low back pain, hip pain, groin pain of various origins. Um, and I started to notice that patients who had back and hip pain sometimes were not getting full resolution of their pain and symptoms um, with the more the traditional back and hip types of treatment. So I, I started to notice um, the connection really between those couple of things um, as well as the core and the pelvic floor. And that's how I got introduced to pelvic floor um, medicine and, and pelvic pain, particularly. So now I'm at uh, pelvic rehabilitation medicine here in New York and uh, just really loving taking care of these, these complicated patients. Nice. So you are more focused now, now on the pelvic health, right? And what Correct. type of patients do you usually work with? That's a great question. So um, I see both male and female patients of all ages, um, and particularly in female patients, some of the most common things that I would see patients complaining of are things like vaginismus um, or pain with intercourse. And uh, going back to the vaginismus, that's you know patients who tend to have difficulty going to the gynecologist and having a speculum exam. They just can't tolerate it. They can't tolerate intercourse. Um, and then we'll also see patients with uh, vulvodynia or sort of burning uh, pain at the entrance to the vagina. And we'll also see patients with uh, sort of atypical groin slash hip pain um, that is sometimes related to their period. It can be cyclical or non-cyclical. So those are kind of some of the main things we see in female patients and most commonly. And in our male patients, we see commonly um, a, a unique sort of urinary type of chronic pain syndrome where they have um, a prostatitis-like picture, although they don't have infection. Uh, we'll also see patients with the kind of atypical groin, hip, abdominal pain, particularly in males, and uh, some patients with either pain with uh, erection, ejaculation, or after intercourse. 
uh, and testicular pain as well. So a lot of these patients sound like they might go to a urologist or a gynecologist or maybe even a gastroenterologist to have treatment. And, and many times before they've come to our practice, they have. Uh, they've been to one or more of those providers and just for whatever reason have not been getting the answers that they need. So we see, we see all those patients. Nice. And how do you treat them? Uh, how is your approach? So that's, um, it's, it's very comprehensive to start with. So we spend an hour and a half with patients in the beginning for their first visit and we get a very comprehensive history. So we want to know how long the patient's been having the pain, exactly where is it located, um, when does it occur, is it with activity, is it with intercourse, does it occur before or after urination, um, does it occur with a bowel movement or with constipation, what kinds of things have been done for it in the past, what kinds of either physical therapy or medications have been tried. Um, and then we also want to know their surgical history. Have they have any abdominal history uh, of surgeries or pelvic surgeries, any C-sections, uh, vaginal deliveries? All of these things really get into the history of whether or not, you know, the pain fits into uh, a musculoskeletal type of bucket, a, a neurologic type of bucket, or, or say gynecologic, urologic, and we have to kind of put all those things together. Um, so once we have the, the good history, we do a full exam, and that includes the back, uh, the hips, the abdomen, external perineal exam, and then an internal pelvic floor exam. And on females, that is um, through the uh, vaginal canal and sometimes rectally. And then males, we, we use the rectal exam to obtain that information. Um, and then in terms of, you know, what do we do? There's, there's imaging that might need to be done. And in terms of medications, we have a lot of options. Uh, if patients are not interested in things like oral medications, um, which I know a lot of times people are, are wanting to kind of stay away from, we will use suppository medications with lower side effects and good local muscle relaxation qualities. Um, we'll also use sometimes uh, some injections that will address both tight pelvic floor muscles as well as the neurogenic inflammation in the area. But all of this really is sort of in addition to physical therapy, which all of our patients do go to. Um, and we work really in conjunction with those physical therapists one-on-one -on -one because the patients um, really can't get better without both. And our treatments, whether it be through a medication or a suppository or an injection is really in combination with what the patient is doing, both in physical therapy with manual work and exercises, as well as their home program, which I also emphasize to the patients. So it's really a, a sort of comprehensive approach. Yeah, that's nice. And what I'm curious to ask you about, so how is your relationship with the physical therapy? So how do you can help each other and give the patient the best possible care? That's a great question. Um, I think a lot of doctors tend to send the patient off to physical therapy and, and hope that the patient is getting good care. Um, here, what I typically do is I ask the patient for their permission to speak directly with the physical therapist. And I want to know what's been done before they've seen me, if they've already been going to physical therapy. And then based on my exam, you know, maybe potentially what could we add, whether it's 
Um, for example, if someone has a tight obturator internus, um, you know, it has it, I want to know, has the therapist already been working on that? And if that's the case, then maybe we need to do an injection to allow that muscle to release. So we also need to, you know, work with the physical therapist. So if I can do something to help to release the muscle, whether it's through a medication or an injection, and then the physical therapist can further that uh, release of the muscle, then we're able to start the process of strengthening, which, um, as you know, is a huge part of getting patients better. We have to first lengthen those muscles, and then we have to strengthen and coordinate the muscles in both the pelvic floor, as well as the hips, the uh, low back area, and then the core. Yeah, I think that's so important, this uh, working as a team uh, to improve the patient condition. Your your approach, your your treatment is going to help the PT to develop their treatment better. Uh, so I think it's just so important to have this uh, combination of both and especially this connection and uh, communicating uh, physicians and physical therapists and just for the best interest of the patient. So I think that's great. I would, it would be great if all the doctors and PTs communicate that well and had better results potentially, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's the only way we can get patients better is if everybody's on the same team and we're really kind of working together to find the best solution for the patient. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you said that pretty much all your patients, you refer to physical therapy, right? And then let's talk about the other side as well. So when do you think PTs should refer the patients to you? Um, what signs or what are any tips or anything that you see that this patient um, needs more attention and needs like a consultation? And on the other way as well. So you do you refer all the patients or there are some types of patients that uh, you don't think that they need physical therapy or how you decide that? So from my end, in terms of referring to physical therapists, uh, by the time the patient actually gets to me, they are in typically in desperate need of working with a physical therapist. Um, so it's been either so many months or so many years that a physical therapist is definitely an essential player on the team. So I, I'd say I, I can't even think of one patient that has not gone to physical therapy for their pelvic floor. Um, and then as far as when should a physical therapist refer to someone like me it would be really early on in the process, actually. I think this is sort of a misconception that, you know, the doctor might take the patient away from physical therapy and they haven't, you know, the physical therapist hasn't done everything that they can yet for the patient. But I think particularly in our specialty, it's really important for us to work together and Say, for example, um, you know, a patient that has uh, groin and pelvic pain and has not had any imaging of their hip, for example, um, you know, that's something that I can order and we can evaluate for the patient. And for example, if they have either a hernia that comes up or a labral tear, those are things that certainly a physical therapist can work on, particularly with a labral tear, but there may be something that uh, like an injection that we could do early on in the process to get the patient better faster and be able to actually participate better in their therapy process. 
because when a patient has too much pain, as you know, they can't necessarily do all the exercises or the stretches that you want them to do. So by working together early on, I think we can make the progress for the patient much, much more quickly. Yeah, for sure. And you were just talking about these pains that relate to each other, like the hip pain and the back pain that could potentially interfere on the pelvic floor. So how are these relationships? How do you see that on your day-to-day? So I see it, gosh, so many times a day. Um, For example, this morning I had a patient who has had many epidural injections in the past um, from really a great interventional spine doctor who I am familiar with. And uh, this patient came to me after sort of feeling like uh, they were not really making much more progress. And we looked at every connection uh, between the low back and the hips and the pelvic floor and the abdominal musculature and found that there were also some associated uh, pelvic floor hypertonia as well as piriformis tightness um, and some coccygeal pain on exam. And then in terms of symptoms, there were some urinary symptoms and dyspareunia that were associated but hadn't been addressed. Um, so in looking at the pelvic floor, uh, for this particular patient and addressing that, we were able to actually relieve the back pain as well. So that's an example of, of one patient. And we have, you know, thousands like this that have, uh, for example, you know, groin pain that they've been told, Hey, you don't have a labral tear. You don't have a hernia. You don't have an adductor tear. Um, there's really nothing on imaging and you've done everything that you can do musculoskeletal wise. Well, Hey, did anybody look at the pelvic floor? Did anybody look at the obturator internus and see, Hey, is this actually connected? Is it, uh, tight to the point that it's weak and now they have hip weakness on the outside that's causing this growing pain and a little bit of impingement. So these are the kind of things that I'm thinking of when I see a patient. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's good to talk about these relationships because sometimes I believe many clinicians that are not used to work with pelvic floor would not think about that because we separate this area so much that is not, I believe, very common to think about these other components of pain that play an important part on the on this patient's pain that sometimes you cannot resolve and you can figure out why. And we don't think about these connections. So for example, when you see like this patient, then what do you do? How do you address that? You said that you have injections to relax the muscle and then some educations and potentially like refer to the physical therapies. Like what else do you usually do on your practice that you, Mm -hmm. um, that you can help this patient? Sure. So Um, the medications that we use, um, if they're used in suppository form are typically muscle relaxers, but they can also be nerve stabilizing medications. Um, some of the oral medications that we use are also nerve stabilizing types of medications and other medications that can kind of turn down the pain signal at the level of the brain. Um, injections that we use are specific trigger points that are in the pelvic floor muscles, that they're all done externally. So we don't have to enter, you know, any cavity of the body. It's just, it's from the skin outside with an ultrasound. Mm. So we can see exactly where we're going. Um, And then if needed, for example, that patient that has the labral tear, 
you know, that patient may also need a hip injection, which we can do, um, may need a back injection. Those are kinds of things that we can add. Uh, and really it depends on the patient. There's some creams that we use that are compounded, um, which a lot of patients find beneficial. And again, it's, it depends on really the exact patient um, symptoms and diagnoses to decide which ones and which combinations are going to be useful. Yeah, that's, um, it's, I'm glad to hear all of that. And I believe, as you said, if the patient go early to the doctor, because sometimes we have direct access, I don't know, each state is different, but we can see the patient and it's just important to keep that in mind that if you cannot progress with the treatment, you should refer the patient and get this pain uh, under control and to be in order to be able to move forward with the treatment. So um, I think all these um, connections are very important. Anything else that you want to uh, mention about like everything that we just talked about? You know, I think one thing to just remember um, with any patient who has a pelvic floor complaint, you have to think outside of that one specific area. And I know as PTs, you guys are trained in doing that and looking outside of the hip to go to the core and the back and the lower extremities and everything is connected. But really knowing that things like urinary frequency and uh, constipation and straining and painful injured course, those things are never normal. And so sometimes a patient is willing to let their physical therapist in on these little symptoms that they, they think either are not um, warranted to speak to their doctor about because they think, oh, everybody has pain with intercourse or everybody I know has a little bit of leaking when they pee or after they pee. Um, so those are the kinds of things that they may share with you that they're not sharing with uh, their primary care doctor, for example. And that's a really um, great opportunity for you to sort of raise that red flag and say, hey, this is not normal. We need to get to the bottom of this and we need to find a diagnosis for you. Yeah, that's um, good tips and just reminders of what we should be paying attention on our assessment and and be referring this patient and let them know and be aware that that's not normal. So I think that's the, the way that we should be working together um, as a, as a healthcare team to try to improve uh, the, the patient's care. Uh, so let's transition now to our final questions. So what are our resources information that you like, that you would like to share with us? So I really like the um, IPPS website, the International Pelvic Pain Society. I think that's a great resource for patients. Um, it allows patients to find physical therapists uh, that are specialized. It also allows patients to find doctors who are specialized in their area. And uh, it gives a lot of just general information. So I like that particularly. Nice. And what advice is that you would give to clinicians that are starting their careers? So you can say starting now, let's think, careers, yeah, yeah, so let's think about our audience here that are mostly physical therapists. So you as a doctor and if, with your experience, you just gave us a couple tips, um, but do you have any advice in general that you think it would be um, 
important to let the, the, the PTs know? I think the best thing is to reach out to the doctor that's referring or that you're referring to and really build the relationship with that person because uh, you are going to be an important person on the team. So I think if you can develop those relationships with your referring providers or the providers that you refer to, you're going to be much more successful with your patients. Um, and then I would say, you know, learning doesn't stop after school. I'm still learning every day from patients. And, uh, you know, I've been practicing for a while now. So I think in any uh, medical field, you have to just constantly be learning and, and kind of always keep up your guard knowing that, hey, this patient today may teach me something new. Yeah, for sure. And the last question is kind of similar to this uh, previous one, that is what qualities or abilities that you think that are important to become a successful professional? So I think one particular one that uh, isn't necessarily specific to physical therapists, but I think particularly specific to all healthcare providers is that we first have to listen to the patient. And this gets overlooked by the details of the treatment plan, the diagnosis and everything. But really, if you listen to a patient long enough, they tell you what's wrong with them. Um, and so that's one piece of advice I would recommend just always remember that even if you think you know, you have to listen to what the patient has to say. Yeah. And sometimes you're always just rushing patients through the clinic, this big high volume clinic. So it's just important to stop and take the time and listen to the patient because all the answers are there. You just have to pay attention and listen to them carefully, right? Absolutely. That's right. And Dr. Chudi, if anyone wants to contact you or want to learn more about your work, um, how they can find your information? Yeah, so that would be, um, you could come to our, uh, our website. It's our, the practice is Pelvic Rehabilitation Medicine, and we're located in New York City, Midtown Manhattan. Um, you can also Google me, which is Carolyn Chudi, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N. C-H-U-D-Y, um, and you should be able to find me uh, that way. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking uh, with me today. And hopefully our listeners are going to learn a little bit more about the uh, pelvic floor and treatment and how is this relationship between doctors and physical therapy so important and all for the, the best interest of the patient. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Questions, suggestions, or topics you want to hear about, talk to me on ptprotalk.com. Join our email list to receive updates and new episodes and subscribe here. Tell your friends about it and be sure to share. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. We are going to publish today's video recording on my YouTube channel, so you can check the link out in the show notes. Thanks for joining us and I'll see you next time.